Alright, alright, quieten down now. Live from the Britain Yankee Pub Studios. Another Britain Yankee Craft Beer Pubcast. I can hear the pints being pulled right now. Not a while, dude. Bring the drums in. Let's have a party. Pump up the bitter. Shh, test it. Pump up the bitter. Pump up the bitter. Take it away, lad. You are paying for that beer, aren't you? Pump up the bitter. Pump up the bitter. We're back in our furthest point into the city that we go. Ken, hi, welcome to the show. My co-host, as always, from Hotline Brewing. How you doing, Phil? Glad to be here. You're supposed to go hasta la vista or something. Um, Isn't that your signature? Um, <laughs> the heck is it today? I don't know. See, it's it's a, it's, it's early that. in the now week, I... and uh, we've come to a brewery. Buenos dias. That's uh, buenos dias. Oh, should we do that again? Then? <laughs> no. Hey, Ken, it. how are you? Hey, Phil. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Here. <laughs> uh, we're very multi-lingual uh, here on this show. You I thought you were are... talking about the beer. You said multi, and I thought it was malty. Malty. There we go. Right. Well, Sounds like and the deep. <laughs> dulcet tones who i think i'm going to get as my voiceover guy now for all our promos is i'm very happy to say is chris Velo, who i think i had a lot of trouble getting your name right did i get it right you were pretty close i think you probably did but your british accent might have confused me okay so tell us what is this chris valo valo okay. however in your defense there's not even a complete agreement in my own family of how to pronounce it so <laughs> we get some volos and some valos but as long as it's the eau is oh you're good okay there we go um and of course we are at exit strategy brewing in river forest damn i did that the you last do it time. every day every time. time i get river forest or forest park mixed up we're in forest park although again in your defense the other side of the street is river forest oh is it Oh. And fun fact, both sides of the street here have even numbers. So there is, our address is 7700. There is a 7700 River Forest just across the street, which is where they tried to deliver our fermenters, which oh. is a dental office. Wow. <laughs> so many, many years ago. Many years ago. We had to flag down a Chinese container and say, no, no, around the corner. Around the corner. There you go. Um, for those of you who don't know, Exit Strategy is on Madison Street. 7700 Madison Street. It's the furthest into the city that we come because we focus at uh, places on, uh, we focus at, <laughs> Ken's phone went off and it That's, threw me there. We focus our uh, podcasts on the suburbs and beyond, downstate Illinois. Uh, but we wanted to come here because it was 2016 that we were last talking to you in a podcast version. And then last year, Catherine Vol- 
Valo. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> forget it. Catherine uh, was very kind to come on early in the pandemic to tell us how things were going, and we thought, you know. We're, we're nearly out of this right now. I mean, most of us have been vaccinated, uh, certainly in the brewing industry anyway. Um, let's get back out to a brewery, find out what the effect of the pandemic has been on someone like you who has a reasonable sized uh, restaurant, mm -hmm. um, tap room. I don't know how big your brewery is, I can't remember. It's a uh, five barrel. Five barrel, yeah. there we go. So, you know, you, you're right there in what I would call not the big guys like no, a Noon Whistle no. or Riverlands or something like that, but you're, you're, you're solid because I've always liked your dick. I mean, I've always liked your judgmental dick, Jesus. which is an IPA <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic, and I do that joke every time. You've been waiting show. to drop that all I day. I know, I know. Anyway, I have, to, I have to tell you, fella, personally, this when when the pandemic shutdown happened this was the last bar their bar was the last bar i sat at for months because everybody was shut down and and then yeah. everybody was afraid to go anywhere when we were trickling open again but yeah it's right. nice to be back and you know we're all able to sit here without masks it's nice to see you back so turn around so i can see you back there we go great oh, <laughs> oh I just dropped my wife he dropped his phone um <laughs> But of course it wouldn't be the Britain Yankee. And we are doing a short video here. Hi guys, look to my hand in there. Say hi to the card now, I'm over here. Um, we wanted to come back and try your beers and see if you've got anything different, how your business model has changed through these times of trouble. And of course it wouldn't be the Britain Yankee if we didn't sample the beer. So what I have here is your English special bitter, which apparently there's a story behind that. Uh, while we sample, tell us what that is. The story behind that? Well, the story behind it is it needs to be changed on the chalkboard to being an Estric Special <laughs> there, but it'll get there eventually. So that was actually, this was, was a one-off. We didn't, we planned to do this just a one-time thing for the branding agency that did all of our work for us, who adopted us as a pro bono client, and we're a collection of the most amazing people on the planet. They okay. had their they had a their summer outing here or whatnot and they they decided on a beer style and they decided on the name and being a branding agency it was nobody reads the copy that's the name that's of the, it. the that's the name uh, of the beer so okay. so we originally just were intending on doing it as yeah. a one-time thing but it, it it quickly became part of our core portfolio which is uh it's a nice addition i mean it's somewhere in between uh, the the darker English styles and you know it doesn't really have the hoppiness or bitterness of right. of the API IPA family so it's it's just in a nice malty maybe a slightly more bitter version of a you know copper colored ale great dry finish yeah very um, good leaves you wanting more um, I would love to have you do this on a cask oh yeah <laughs> because yeah, I, I agree with that this would be absolutely awesome what do you reckon uh, for sure and you're you're Mr Firkin yeah this this is the this is exactly what you want in a firkin yeah for sure it's yeah, delicious it's a really good beer a traditional english style for you yeah. so let's let's go back to uh let's see february of 2016 when things were just about getting a bit iffy in march i headed out to the uk uh they you said mean, okay 2019 20? 
What did I say? 2020. You, 2020. You said 2016, so I'm wondering what the hell is going wow. on in 2016. Yeah, five years ago when it started. What did you... <laughs> you knew about this five years ago? <laughs> what did we do five years ago to, <laughs> to ruin things for you, Phil? Let's that again. Yeah, back in 2020, uh, yeah, I went out to UK thinking... You know, it's uh, if it gets bad, we'll stay a few extra weeks. You know, well, little did we know how bad it was going to get. State Department said you better get home, otherwise you won't get home. We got home, and then the proverbial dung hit the fan, right? So, you guys, what what, what was the first problems that you had to face when they declared things were can't you know you can't have people in here? They they closed you down. I think we took a minute to, to try and digest what do we do now because, I mean, nobody knew if it was going to be, I mean, originally, remember when they originally shut us down, it was for two weeks. Two yeah, weeks. Right. Like, oh, so we'll see what happens in two weeks. I'm like, that's okay. That's not going to be two weeks. It's going to be much longer. So we had to kind of evaluate where we were at with, with staff, with like what we had on hand. So like one of the things we did was we, we knew we were going to be losing at least temporarily a lot of our staff we also had a lot of like just food on hand so we just we told everybody to guys we don't know how long this is going to go on we know we're down for the next couple of weeks like come into the shop take whatever you want from like the the stores that of anything that's going to go bad things that yeah. you know whatever you may need um and then you know shortly after that we just started focusing on okay well how do we make any type of sales and then it just became more of a obviously carry out beer model and that was you know it's funny because like some of this stuff seems five minutes ago some of it seems like a 10 years ago when we were doing this like just yeah, a year ago right so and then we started going to just getting rid of not getting rid of but like starting to sell all of our packaged goods selling our growlers you know just people coming in and, and getting beer um, when we were able to reopen just to do that and I mean, I think a lot of places experience is just like an overwhelming amount of community support. I mean, I know we did. We had, I mean, we were overwhelmed by how generous people were uh, in terms of like just, you know, coming in to buy products, you know, tipping the staff, you know, doing what they could to help out because everybody realized, you know, we were gonna get hit pretty hard. And that generosity got to the point, I know when we did a Zoom call, I think it was April or May, we did a mm -hmm. Zoom call with you. I and think with Kath, Catherine was on that one. Catherine yeah, was on that, yeah. yeah. And at that point, you had basically run out of growlers, <laughs> and you couldn't get any more, which we I had, think cans yeah, were the yeah, big issue yeah. for some uh, people. Well, and I think what happened was is that the, the onset of the pandemic created otherwise non-existent supply chain issues. So yeah. when you have everybody switching to an off-premise model all of a sudden, including, I think bars were even ordering growlers just to, because they have all their draft beer they need to get rid of now. So all of a sudden it was, well, you can't get amber glass. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, that's a new one. So it means so we ran into a time period where you could barely find not even printed glass, just like blank glass, and then you would get okay. the stickers to label them and put everything on there. So I think that's... One of the one of the great things, I think, especially about the Illinois craft beer industry, is just that everybody's very good at adapting and doing what they need to do to to move forward. And I think that's we. I know everyone did as best they could. I know we did. Um, and it's just a matter of you know when you're faced with that situation, it's like, well, how do we? What do, what do we need to do? Like, how do we need to navigate it? And and I hate the, I hate it's the most overused term now, but like everybody pivot. 
so change change the business model well let's yep. pivot so yep. and that's what you know and i think that's what we did and for us it was growlers and then it was well, let's start canning more um but there was definitely a period where we were not we were barely producing anything at one point i think all of our fermenters and all of our brights were were empty right it was like well why are we going to make beer right now like we have, we're going to have enough we've got enough that we need to sell not produce more and then it, we, we slowly started making more as like we we figured out what we wanted to do and i know um where are we now 50 months later kind of mm-hmm. almost you you're back to brewing how many days a week we're brewing a lot right now like uh probably two three days a week depending on like what we what we have room for our problem right, right. now is more one of gee i wish i had one more fermenter so i wasn't like stuck like waiting for tanks to clear i mean that's been more of the issue like because we're now we're trying to do a canning like a canning run every month so that's two beers we're trying to keep 16 taps you know 12 core and four variants um or lab beers like going so that's that's enough to keep going and now as we're getting into summer and places are starting to open back up and we're seeing a, a big increase in demand for like on-premise things right. like that's we're trying to get ahead of that and get things rebrewed so we're not running that so it's 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 pretty tight which is kind of a weird spot to be in considering how we were for the last <laughs> year i know it's, it's it's hills and valleys and yeah. ken you've you've started brewing again right this week yeah yeah um i you, mean i used to you had plenty of beer from what i understood but you had to keep it fresh well, I got I got furloughed last last year, and we shut down completely right. for a, a long time. And then we started we started back up, and I I brewed a couple of large batches, but I kept brewing on our pilot system. And uh, I think it was in De- in November, December, I brewed several large batches, and then I stopped. <laughs> Right. Like, our, our boiler went down and I didn't fix it right away because I was just <laughs> brewing on the small system. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like it's coming back pretty fast. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's it's a little scary, but uh, it's also very exciting. And, uh, you know, fitting in the brews or it's I, I'm ready, man. Let's let's yeah. let's get on this thing and take off. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel the same way. Like it almost it ramped up so fast where I almost caught off guard by it. But like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I was brewing, like, once a week, maybe, and now, like, shh, darn, when am I going to fit in these turns? So, you you mm-hmm. always did growlers. Yeah, we still do. You, yeah. you still do. You We're doing going to the, 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 the growler, growler. can. So, that's, that, so we, we currently do growlers and howlers, so, like, the 32-ounce um, like, I think, Boston rounds or whatever. So, we're doing those, but we are looking at getting a crowler machine to i think that's makes sense it's like the next evolution so we'll probably keep the growlers yeah phase out the howlers gotta worry about the nomenclature too much right i know i know it's like yeah so anyway um we'll take a short break here i'm gonna finish off this rather delicious looking uh esb uh however you want to put the uh names behind the initials ken good one Yes, this is delicious. We'll I'm very happy to that. be drinking this. And we'll clink Cheers. on that. Cheers. We'll clink on that. Cheers. We'll be back in a second. I've got a promo. Listen to this. Yes, folks. My friend John Streets asked me to give a shout out to the third annual Metal Monkey Artisan Market, which is going to be held on the 12th of June 
from 1 to 6 p.m. at Metal Monkey Brewing in Romeoville, Illinois. The show's free to attend, family friendly, and we'll have over 30 local artists and makers on site. There'll also be a tarot reader and a henna tattoo artist providing their services at the show. So if you want to know what's in the future for you, go over there and get yourself a little henna tattoo at the same time. JD Caustic Music will be playing. And if you're feeling a little peckerish, savory crust gourmet empanadas will be the food pop-up. Craft beer, of course, and a variety of different artists and makers will make for a fun afternoon of shopping, sipping, and enjoying a fine Saturday afternoon. Get on over there, folks. It's going to be a great time, especially with Metal Monkey Brewing and the Artisan Market. Cheers, folks. So I noticed on your uh, tap list, you didn't have, at least I didn't see it, any lagers on there. And I think somebody said this was supposed to be the breakout year of lagers. I don't know if that's right or not. I don't know, Phil. I, <laughs> I think that last year was the year of the lager. Oh, last year? I think everybody switched to lagers because they had to have beer last a long time. And I don't know. People were jumping up. But if you ask me, this year is the year of the wit beer. I've been thinking about brewing one, and like every brewery I've been to recently has had a wit. Well, you know what? What a great segue. Because we've got a wit. <laughs> wow. I think we set that one up, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> totally organic transition we there, Phil. We have a wit beer here. There we go. Look at that. There's a big glass and Chris in the background. Not easy so, to recreate a conversation, you know. <laughs> I know. Um, so tell us about this wit beer. That's our so our, our wit beer is, is named Apologize. And so that's... Sorry? Apologize. Sorry? Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. I do, I do, do love you, Brits, and your sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> so it, this was one of our original beers uh, from when we opened. I think it was actually one we had during our like soft, soft open back when it was like glorified home brewing days. But okay, I know soft openings. What's a soft, soft opening? <laughs> a soft, soft opening is when you can only open for about an hour because your brewing equipment is stuck off the coast of California due to a labor short uh, strike. <laughs> so instead of opening your business, you're basically using banjo burners to churn as much homebrew as you can ah, right, and, okay, cool. and having a good time doing it <laughs> so, so this, anyway. is, this is our whip beer and mm -hmm. most of our most of our core beers are the names are tied into to people that are are friends of ours or otherwise connected and this particular one is named after a couple down in texas in austin who are, we used to live here they were we're great friends with who are just wonderful people who like I associated like our time with them with drinking a lot of mothership wit like New Belgium's old one so when I yeah. when we came up with the, the, the like I want to do the, the whip beer and, and give the name you know tie it into them and so that was just like something they would say to each other when they were having like small like silly arguments or whatnot but but uh yeah so we just called it apologize so it's um Traditional wit, uh, wit yeast strain, uh, grain bills about half. Eh, it's a little bit of pilsen, a little bit of oats, a little bit of a lot of wheat, and then we do uh, sweet orange peel, coriander, and then we add ginger as well. So just give it a little bit of a twist to it. That that I, I you know I because I thought the coriander was kind of very dummied down, mm -hmm. um, but there was something in there that wasn't 
I couldn't quite place it. Yeah. So ginger, huh? The ginger, yeah. So we, yeah, so we use ginger instead of well, I mean, in addition to like the traditional yeah. whip beer ingredients. Right. So cool. Well, what do you That's think? Awesome. As, I love as, as this is the year of the whip beer, a la Ken McMullen. <laughs> what do you think then? <laughs> I think it's delicious. Honestly, I was thinking, is there is there something like like some floral element in here and i think it's how the ginger plays with it's, the other it's probably how the ginger plays with it i think the and it's been well this one's coming up on our brew schedule i could probably tell you better in a week but i believe okay. we use crystal and maybe haller tower in this one so maybe a little bit from that but um yeah it's probably more from the ginger than in, in the fantastic summer drinking beer oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. delicious in fact i say summer i would like to drink as all year round you know? yeah i think it's so delicious and there's so much flavor like you want to savor it it's hard to it's only like five two right yeah so you low, could certainly yeah. hammer it down but oh yeah yeah man. now most of our like most of our core stuff is pretty much in that like five to seven range i think we always try to to aim for that like relatively not sessionable, but like drinkable without, you know, getting schnockered after one and a half. So, so let's go back to, uh, 2020, <laughs> get the year right this time. <laughs> and the real, the low point for you, because I know I saw some posts on Facebook from Catherine that she was getting pretty despondent. And, you know, I think most of the breweries were getting despondent, people getting really ticked off um with the way that things were going whether it was bad good bad right or wrong that's what happened what was your real low spot here um that's a that's a good question and a tough question i think it i don't know if there was a particular i think maybe the the first low spot was when it looked like we were not going to get any type of assistance like after that first round of the ppp funding ran out that was frustrating i think more than anything um did you get did you get blocked out on that or did you yeah yeah same until until the sec until they replenished it and then did you have a big bank you were Mm -hmm. with yep Mm -hmm. same yep Yep. if you'd have done like paypal yeah, you like would have gone you through it pretty quick. Yeah, so, crazy. in other words, the big banks were giving it to the big companies? That's, I, I, know, what I, I have my own theory on what exactly my happened, theory. but but I'll, I'll keep that. Oh, okay. Well, there's a lot of large... For my... There were a lot of large chain businesses that took PPP that was intended for small businesses like this. Yeah, right. And then I think a lot of them ended up giving that back. They did, yeah. Or some actually just... From what I mean, some report I was listening to, so like some of them actually just took it, knowing they had no intention of using it for what it was supposed to be used for. But it's like, hey, free money, basically. It's like a super low interest. We could use the cash, so yeah, we'll just right, do that. Right. But that aside, um, I think I would look at it more as a long, slow grind than with some peaks and valleys, as opposed to like any sharp cliffs. I think it was just day after it, it became very much like day after day what do we have to do with today like what do we what do we need to do to get through like what's what's coming up mm-hmm. like where are we at and just mo- like constant monitoring of of our situation and mm-hmm. and you know just the public health really and figuring out like well what are we going to be able to do like, what changes do we make how do we generate some form of revenue and that and i think that I think the the cumulative effect of just the slow grind 
more than the peaks and valleys were was kind of how I, at least I personally like went experienced it and still am. I mean, so we're not done yeah, with this. Right. Um, it's just been a war of attrition, really. I mean, so I think it was frustrating when we were in that that period in between the first uh, level, like the first round of funding, mm-hmm. and then all the like screwing around for six months about a second, you know, a second relief package. And then that coming through was helpful. And now we're dealing with like the RRF and waiting to see what happens with that. And so it's always, there's always something else going on. I mean, there's always pieces to it um, that, you know, you're just, you're just trying to get through. And I, I think I've tried to just kind of compartmentalize it and just deal with it as what do I have to deal with today? Not looking too far down the road because I think then you just drive yourself nuts if you do that too much. But was there ever a point in time where either of you thought we just can't go on, or was it always, ah, we'll get through this? We'll no, get through this. We're, no, we were always going to just figure it out. I mean, there's no way we're going to just let this. <laughs> yeah, no, in Catford, she wasn't yeah. going to let this no, shit yeah. beat her. No, <laughs> and I, I think the difference for me is I, I'm an employee, so that decision was Doug and Jan's. Yeah, and honestly. I don't know. I'm sure that they've been at that point, but yeah, it's been, I mean, even now with business starting to come back and, you know, we've got people booking parties yeah. and weddings and stuff like that. We, we, we can't get staff. Are that's, you guys? Well, and that, yeah. And that's, a, that was going to be the next thing is no matter it's been. And I think like to your question and to your point is mm-hmm. like, I feel like we've consistently for the last year and a half in one way or another, like, just been kicked in the teeth it's either been like we we will shut down because it's the whole gamut right it's the shutdown it's it's everything else that goes on in life and then now when you're like okay well now we're at this point where we can start opening again like well now we can't get people to staff the place so like we're currently looking at a situation where we'd like to be able to open for an additional day but we can't we've like physically can't because we don't have people to work and i don't i'm not going to say that i know exactly why that is but i mean it's I, I, think there's, I think there's two major things, yeah. and one is the federal unemployment assistance yep. is keeping people at home. The major thing, though, is the they dropped the requirement to prove that you're looking for a job. Yep. So I heard Florida dropped or brought that back, and businesses are having trouble answering the phone, so many people are calling for jobs. So, yeah, I think, that's, I think that is part of it. I think the... The idea is, was always, my understanding was that if if you were receiving benefits, you were supposed to be actively looking for work, and then I don't know that that's the case because like we've we've been posting like crazy for to try to fill our staffing, and we're getting like barely any applications, and I don't. So and then, but that ultimately then leads to the larger philosophical question, right? Of like, well, if if somebody is better off on unemployment versus what we would pay them as a wage like or do we have some self-evaluation to do as to as employers like do we need to rethink how we're taking care of people and that's and for a small business that's tough because like you're not knocking especially in this industry you're not talking about like huge margins to begin with but it's i mean i know that Catherine and i've gone through like a fair amount of like self-reflection on that that issue and like what do what do we need to maybe re-examine ourselves in terms of how like how we take care of that's interesting folks. that's an interesting way to look at it um, a lot most people would say 
you know, in, in a kind of a negative way that, you know, you should want to work. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, oh, yeah. if you could stay home and, I mean, wouldn't you want to take care of your own stuff and well, still, so you know? My, so my, my question is, do people enjoy working at a small business? Do they enjoy working at a brewery, at a tap room? Um, are they happy to come in at the pay level that is being offered, no matter who it is, and then get a substantial amount of tips? Because I think people are coming in and they'll tip in pretty good now because they know that these people have had hard times. So you're right, you know, is, is this people who like working in small businesses and they're okay with it or is the small business so small in its profit margin that it has to pay minimum wage or it has to pay you know buck over that yeah and i think that i mean that you're that could like be a rabbit hole we could go down for a year at a time to discuss but i don't I, want to do that i don't <laughs> want to have another beer <laughs> <laughs> but but i do think that there is there's so many different like there's a lot of ways to look at it like so our if your business is dependent upon paying people just a you know such a minimal wage like is is your business the correct business then or and i don't have the answers to any of these questions these are i mean i don't know because we're still figuring this out we're just shooting shit in yeah well but i think it's i think it definitely has raised yeah. A lot of good questions, and there's there's certainly not easy answers. I don't think. But so you ask, you, you're still looking for people. We are, yeah. And so come on down to Exit Strategy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're 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 okay front of house. We're okay. We're okay in the on the brewing side. It's really just like right out of the kitchen's the part yeah. that. Um, and I don't plan on working saute fry so, every yes. Saturday I, night. I, I saw you. I saw that Catherine did a post on Facebook where you were actually back there cooking away. Um, yeah. Do you have any cooking experience? I do actually. Yeah. My first job when I turned the day I turned sixteen, I, I went to a place by where I grew up in Cincinnati, got a job as a busser, uh, and then I moved to being a food runner, and then started doing uh, prep and line work and expo and the kitchen and that still one of my favorite work experiences i ever had i love i mean i love the people i worked with it was like it was fun work for like a 18 year old kid just do you have do you have a signature dish uh yes actually oh, i can make it's going and, on the menu here and, folks well no but but Catherine can vouch for this i can make bernays from scratch and it's you can make what bernays sauce from scratch oh, from scratch and okay. that's uh, like from yeah from reduction to to, to finish sauce. sauce and nothing else <laughs> <laughs> I can fry the shit out of some chicken. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we think that uh, everything is looking up here because the beers are actually the standard that I would expect from you. Oh, Having sure. done it for a while. Uh, we'll come back and look to the future and see what you think it's going to take through 2021, the summer, because everybody's ready to explode. Back in a second.
we've got. All right, our last segment brings us a beer that has a lot of purple to it, deep purple. There we go, good band. Um, there we go. Get the ESBC in there. Beautiful. This beer is a sour, and uh, Chris. You don't often do sours, do you? Or you have you been doing sours? We did when we opened. We did not do sours for years, and then um, after a trip to Tennessee, I kind of found some sours down there. I'm like, oh, I can actually get on board with this, and it's and so we started doing them uh, probably three or eh, like three years ago or whatnot. Our first one was a collaboration with uh, Flapjack over in Berwyn. It was a cherry vanilla. And then we've just kind of evolved our, our portfolio now, so we'll do them. We normally have at least one on, uh, so this is our most recent one. It's actually a rebrew of one we did a couple of years ago called High, High Violet. Which this is, is called High Violet? It's called High Violet. Yeah, I also, High Violet. There we go. <laughs> also known as June Bug's Revenge, which is a, we, we, a couple of years ago we did like a blackberry blonde that was, and Catherine's maiden name is June, so it was okay. tied into that. But So this one's actually, the High Violet part comes from uh, an album named by the national which is one of our favorite bands um so they had oh they're a band okay i didn't know that did you know that the national um, you've never heard of the national no 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 but that's okay i'll find it we'll play it they're, they're what, fantastic what's their era? um <laughs> depressing indie rock oh, but, but my, like my wheelhouse but what time what like time frame? oh now they're still now now but yeah they're still now? they're still playing now okay yeah, yeah. i remember yeah. you like that depressing indie rock no? yeah depressing well, indie i think two rock. of them are from cincinnati which is my hometown so you know okay when, but you, anyway. when you went to nashville was that for cbc no i was i was down there for my other job a couple times oh, you, so where were the sours on uh, southern grist which southern is a, grist dude i'm telling you i went yeah. to cbc and had the their uh they're lactose sours mm -hmm. and it softened the bitterness yeah. and let all the flavors from all the other stuff come through and yeah. it, i was like whoa well and that and, and no you're 100 right that because that's this all of our sours to date have had lactose in them but just because it's like it, it softens out that acidity and kind of gives it almost like a i call it like a reverse sour patch kid because you almost get like the sour then you get the sweet a little bit from them and then just the use of adjuncts like vanilla and the fruit. I mean, I just they had some ones that were just terrific, and they're yeah. like, I can actually get on board with this because before then, I'm like, yeah, I can do like half a sour and that's it. It just wasn't my right. It wasn't I my think thing. Southern Grist was the first time I had a sour that was like, wow, I could actually drink these. Exactly. Yeah, hundred so percent agree. What is in this one? I mean, it's purple. We didn't say what the content. Oh, it's uh, it's blackberry vanilla. It Why was, did you choose blackberry as opposed to raspberry, which has a nice strong flavor? Or blueberry, which has no flavor but looks blue. Because <laughs> I'd already made a raspberry and blueberry. Oh, beer. okay. So you wanted to do something different. Yeah. No, we did it. We did a raspberry uh, vanilla, almost like creamsicle style beer, a couple of years mm. beforehand, um, called Otherberry. And then we did we did after this one we had done a a blueberry vanilla Meyer lemon one, and then so this one was one we did a couple of years ago that we just really liked. So we redid this. Um, earlier in the year, so okay. it's just a, it's a, it's and way back and since the warm weather has gotten warmer, we've seen it just like it's been flying out yeah, here. Yeah, th so. this is definitely a summer beer, right? Yeah, I, yeah, totally. Yeah, sours are weird. It's kind of like I don't we like making them year round, but it seems like in winter they 
they don't move as fast, which is just a. Make, right. I guess that makes sense, but no, I think it that makes perfect sense so. because I don't think people enjoy drinking lagers and no, things you like that. Eat, you eat all this hearty food, and yeah. you know it makes sense that you drink hearty stouts. beers. Right, which brings right. us talking of stouts. Now you've look into the future. You have you know uh, started canning, and I think that was something you introduced. During last yeah. year, right? Well, we we had done canning Through periodically. <laughs> well, so, yeah, I mean, I think last three years we we had canned sporadically. We didn't really have a like a that was not a major part of our our operation. It was kind of like, hey, let's do something, let's do this like one off or whatnot. But it became, especially during the pandemic, like that became a we need to shift to being more of an off premise model. So let's get beer in cans like let's start scheduling regular canning runs let's make stuff specifically for canning and it's the nice thing is is that it's allowed us to actually have more offerings than just our 16 taps at the same time because we'll sell them here and for to go um and that's just been something that's slowly grown since we've been doing this for the last i guess year now so and, and in front of me a couple of samples of it i see we have champs who drink champs Oh, champs who drink. No, champs who drink. Sh- champs drink champs. Okay, I that got is it. I that got is it our, our six-year anniversary ale, oh. which is a cure ale, like champagne-inspired beer. So it's okay. it is kind of sourish in its nature because it's black currant. Uh, it's like so it's like a pilsner base, and then black currant lemon peel, and then uh, Nelson Savin hops, which add kind of that wine character to it so it's a really kind of cool combination where it, it almost has like it's got a real grapey aroma and then it's got some tartness from the currant and lemon and then so that's that was our anniversary beer uh, that we released back in oh april because that was and then and then back to the uh the connection i was doing to the imperial stouts it's not actually a stout it's a porter right it's an imperial we have this one here which is called rufus best boy breakfast porter and I think this is a bit of an homage to a uh, lost loved one. It is. So Rufus was our beloved French bulldog we had for 11 years. And is also Rufus is also the name of our a robust porter. So shortly after we, <laughs> we lost him, we did this beer, which is uh, kind of an amped up version of the, the base porter with a little bit heavier emphasis on the, uh, the oats and addition of uh, milk sugar lactose and uh, maple syrup and then coffee from a terrific roaster called Sandhill Coffee who like we like that's our our standard like good coffee at home is their stuff um, great guys uh, and then so we just incorporated that into the beer and then just that we did that a couple months ago as a, an homage to the boy I mean I, I think like these guys are are like most of your beers probably sold here right yeah about 99 so you're, yeah well you're, actually 100 you're right releasing now. this stuff for your neighborhood so yeah. thank god we have all these small breweries covering yeah. all their neighborhoods you know now not you don't, everybody has to be massive and very true it doesn't have to be big and that's the nice thing you know neighborhood beers are great um you don't distribute or do you self-distribute or what so as a brew pub we are not legally allowed to self-distribute which is nonsense which is another topic of conversation (laughs) there is currently legislation pending that should help thus with that um where we would be allowed to sell uh 
you know within a certain amount distance right. from our shop we've like, so we when we originally opened we were class one brewer so we were self-distributing we then were with a couple of distributors once we switched to being a brew pub that did not go so well um so now we're looking i mean it would be nice if we were able just to sell some beer outside of here right. i mean it's uh, you know i think for for our business model the the concept is always going to be on premise is the best for us because of margins and whatever Correct. i mean but yeah. you know distribution yeah well. yeah i mean distribution yep. for us is almost like a marketing tool right i mean it gives our yep. gets our beer out there a little bit and gets some additional exposure it's never going to be a main revenue stream like i'm on a five barrel system like how much am i going to turn out yeah. in a year like mathematically i can't make that much beer but that's fine like but that's we never wanted to be anything other but that's you know so i think it would be nice to not be you know hamstrung by the current law which is just archaic and outdated and doesn't really fit with how breweries operate now it's not like five breweries who are all making twenty thousand barrels a year it's 150 breweries who are making right many you know f- fewer in, in distributions of volume game so distributors aren't they don't want our accounts they don't they don't care about us and that's fine because that's not how their business operates and, so. and it's interesting you you mentioned um about uh it being a marketing tool mm-hmm. canning almost i was listening to a podcast out of uh, colorado out of denver by the folks uh, it's called unfiltered and uh, a couple of the guys from tivoli brewing company out there and they were talking to somebody who was uh, a just downtown denver brewery and they said, yes, during the pandemic, we had to can, but really the margins are not that great on it. It's just a way of getting our beer out there that people are aware of it. And so from the local region, they're gonna come in and visit our tap room, which is what we want them to do because this is where our business is. This is our vibe. This is our whole, you know, all the whole freshness thing as well. Yeah. You know? So that's all, all we ever wanted to do at Hotline was you know get into a few of the local craft beer on-premise craft beer places yeah. like we're not i'm not looking to sell cans to them i'm looking to sell a keg here and there. right yeah and then yeah. you know they have a good draft of my beer at mccarty mills and then they seek us out to try the rest of our the stuff we have and that that's all i really want to do well and that was like the the point of half the beer fest we see right i mean it was an opportunity for for people to find out about Right. breweries they may not otherwise be familiar with and and to, to market ourselves to them as well i mean so it's 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 really it's a small amount of revenue more of a an opportunity to kind of increase exposure about your product so let me ask you that question earlier on before we started recording you were talking and saying hey we're probably going to get back to beer fest do you think guys that we're going to get back to beer fest are we going to have beer fest as they were this year or are they going to be dummied down a bit i think they're going to be they're going to look i different. should say restricted well <laughs> i think they're they're going to be they're going to look different i don't i yeah. think they're going to maybe be they're going to be smaller they're going to be maybe more broken out into sessions maybe fewer breweries i mean i think it's even the ones that we've seen anything about like trying to go forward they they've definitely altered how they're they're organized but that's that probably makes sense i think the more that we know about how covid is transmitted it changes like the precautions they have to take um mm-hmm. 
So, but yeah, I mean, hopefully by by the end of this year, there will be some. I think the reality is the uncertainty we've had and the amount of time it takes to plan a a brew fest means that you're not, you couldn't even have a brew fest like we used to have Mm -hmm. until at least like fall because you you couldn't plan it. No. And I think that anything I've seen that has a date attached to with it is late summer, early fall at the earliest. I mean, I don't think anyone's planning on like a June brew fest. Well, let's end on a happy note. <laughs> Please. What, what looks like, you know, the f- we've, we've talked about what you're doing. What, what is going to be your future here at Exit, you know, for in the next summer? That's what we're talking about. That's well, people so getting back out, you know. It, so I, if you want a silver lining, anything with the, the pandemic, it was, I think, an opportunity for, for us to almost hit the pause button for a minute and say, okay, like, where are we at with our business? How do we move forward? And in a, in a weird way, it gave us the opportunity to maybe explore brewing different beers than we've done because we were worried, like we were working more on packaging more than draft. And so those, those are not things we're trying to continually keep on tap. And we, we had the opportunity to do that. I, I feel like if anything, it's given me kind of the opportunity to, to brew newer styles or things that I may not have done before. I mean, a lot of one-off and then especially with the increased canning, I get, it's basically all one-offs. So that's, that's been a lot of, I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of that. Just like doing things I haven't done before. Um, and I think that's something that we're going to continue to do in the future. I think as long as we can kind of get back on our feet and operate our business in a way that we feel comfortable with in terms of keeping our staff safe and keeping our patrons safe, which is critically important to us. I think that's, I think we're on the right path and I think we'll get back to normal. I think getting to normal is going to be challenging because we're now so used to this world we live in where things that seemed, you know, you wouldn't give a second thought about a year and a half ago and now you're like, whoa, wait a minute, I can't. I can't be within five feet of that person without a mask on. I don't know where they've been. And so that's, I think getting back to normal is going to be almost a little bit challenging that way, but I'm at least somewhat optimistic of where we're at at this point. It feels like we've, we've made progress. Um, it's, we need to get as many people vaccinated as we can. And just, you know, the more we do things that can get us back to normal, the better. And I think it's just a slow grind I and mean, just where it's a long road. Do, do you feel like, the pandemic has caused all of the government agencies that regulate, you know, beer production and sales uh, has caused them to kind of loosen up the restrictions on this industry. I mean, and maybe look at it instead of as like a sin industry, it's a, uh, that needs to be controlled. It's, you know, they're, they're kind of loosening things up to help us, you know do something in the meantime and maybe that'll open up some new avenues that haven't been available for a hundred years yeah no i think definitely (laughs) definitely at the uh the state and local level i think i think we've seen a lot of of loosening or or temporary suspension of restriction like changes that make sense and probably should be made anyway uh that that give us more 
ability to to run our businesses and i think that's a good thing um right yeah i don't at the federal level I haven't really noticed much minus the continuation of the break on excise taxes but i think that's that was going to be permanent I think anyway the, uh, the uh what's included in you know what you have to get pre-approved for Oh, you know, labeling in, everything? Ingredients and... Oh, like formula, 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 formula approval? approval. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they've definitely like lessened the restrictions, but it's also like, I don't really think there's anyone working there to enforce them. So, I mean, I think it's all, I mean, I think that's just kind of Wild West yeah. stuff at this a little, point. But, a little overwhelmed by our yeah. numbers. And but I mean, I, I do feel like the, the, the changes in terms of what we're allowed to sell, who we're allowed to sell to, how we're allowed to sell those those things should be changed and maybe this is forcing maybe that's catching up to the reality of the world maybe a little faster i don't know like because in a brew post like in our setting like we haven't really had to we haven't worried too much about those things because we we sell on premise and that's that's pretty much it like but it would be nice if we were legally allowed to sell a case of beer to the store next door or have a keg on without having to go through the three-tier system which is just stupid for a place of our size like what's the point well we're kind of running out of time here so i'm gonna say uh here's to all the future plans that we that you guys have hopefully going to be putting in place because we're going to be the benefactor of, of this the consumer so i'm going to raise this and say oh cheers 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 here's the future let's hope uh, Things are going to be rosy in the rest of 2021 and into 2022. Cheers, Cheers to that. Thanks a lot. It's good night from me. And good night from him. Cheers. Good night, Chris. Good night, Phil. Good night. Good night, Ken. Good night, Chris. Valo. Valo. It's like Gallo, but with a V. Valo.